Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are talking to the advocates, Nathan Brown. Thanks for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me, Preston. Yeah, man. You can follow Nathan at N Brown Advocate. And of course, be sure to follow us at The Bird Rights and share and rate this pod. Nathan, obviously, you haven't been in New Orleans all that long. How's your first summer going? It's been good. You know, uh, last weekend we had the uh, bit of a scare with. Uh, what I was assuming was going to be my first hurricane, it was a little uh, underwhelming, but um glad that everyone here was, I think, relatively safe. And other than that, doing pretty well, um, enjoying uh, covering this fun off-season of Pelicans news, and uh, certainly been a busy one in, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it's going to be hard to cover everything that's transpired in just 20 minutes, but we're going to do our best. But Nathan, obviously from Indiana, we talked off air, spent some time in Manhattan. Obviously, the heat is something that not a lot of people get used to in New Orleans. Josh Hart even commented about it on Twitter. How are you uh, acquiescing to that? Well, it's funny. Uh, before I moved to the New York City area, my uh, then fiance and I actually lived out in Southern California in Palm Springs, where it gets to uh, about 115, 110, uh, and more of a dry heat. Uh, I lived out there for three years. She was there for about a year and a half. So we have our uh, fair share of experience with extreme heat, though uh, this humidity is uh, certainly something else. Wow, you've been pretty much everywhere uh, across every corner of the United States in your young life. Yeah. All right, enough yeah. about Nathan. Let's talk Pelicans now. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor to work with because obviously there's so much that we need to digest in in terms of what's transpired. This has to be the busiest offseason in Pelicans history just in terms of front office overhaul, uh, player transactions, draft picks, you name it. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with the most recent press conference uh, introducing Derek Favors, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. Nathan, just give us your takeaways from the event um i think you know, it, was, it was nice to finally get a chance to uh you know see and talk with these uh three former lakers players in person you know they've been uh such a, a talk of really this whole summer leading into what would the anthony davis trade look like um obviously assuming a lot of the time that it would probably involve the lakers um and these three pieces were guys that were certainly often talked about um, but it's been a month since that trade happened, and we finally got to speak with these guys a little bit. Um, I think, again, they sound like uh, three great additions to this locker room uh, as far as guys who seem willing to just do whatever it takes uh, from a team standpoint to help this team get better, fill in some much-needed uh, holes, and uh, and put this team on the right path. And when you look at Derek Favors, um, a guy that – uh, the day that that trade happened, it seemed like there were 
great well-wishing messages from his jazz family, whether it be fans or players or people from their front office. Uh, a guy that is, a, I think, a nine-year veteran and a guy that seems like, along with J.J. Redick as well, will be a, a great culture addition uh, in the locker room and along with a, a great addition at that center spot for them on the court. Yeah, you just mentioned uh, J.J. Redick as well as Derek Favors. Of course, we're going to talk about Nicola Melli uh, briefly. So many transactions. You mentioned we finally got to meet them nearly one month later. Uh, we might not get the opportunity to meet J.J. Redick or Nicola Melli. If anybody hasn't listened to J.J. Redick's podcast, I'd highly encourage you to do so. Some great stuff on there. Part of which was that he probably is not going to come down and have a press conference similar to the one that the Pelicans just held. So, all these transactions, Nathan, is your head spinning right now? It is a little bit, you know, I've been trying to, you know, brainstorm a little bit on, you know, some potential story ideas to do down the road in, uh, in this kind of downtime here before we ramp back up in a couple months for training camp and preseason and, and the start of the regular season. And it's, you almost kind of have to take a step back for, I think a couple of days to really kind of digest um, just these, just this, absolutely massive transition that this team and this franchise has gone under. I mean, it was really, I think just a little bit more than three months ago, uh, David Griffin had not yet been hired. You know, there was this wondering about whoever was going to be the new VP of basketball operations, if they were even going to keep coach Gentry. Um, Anthony Davis was obviously still on the team. So much of this roster was either not yet on the team uh, or not drafted. And it's, you kind of have to, I think, take a, a step back uh, from this constant day-to-day -day, uh, revolving news cycle to really kind of truly get the feel of this, uh, the, the true massive change that this team has undergone. But it's, uh, it's a, a remarkable thing. and I think we'll continue to marvel in it uh, for really the rest of the season and, and see what a change this is going to be. Well, we're going to try to help you out here on the bot, uh, the Borough Calls podcast with some potential story ideas, the first of which would be the Pelicans' defense. Obviously, in the past two years, the Pelicans have ranked in the top five in terms of pace and offense, albeit two years ago after the All-Star break when DeMarcus Cousins went down. Up until that time, I think they were seventh in pace, but moved into the top five after his untimely injury. But since that point in time, the Pelicans have been pretty much all about offense. Now you take mm -hmm. some shooting out of that lineup and you insert Lonzo Ball, a guy who's capable of defending at least four positions. You insert Brandon Ingram, a guy who's very versatile, a guy who's very long, and you introduce Derek Favors, a guy who the new Draymond uh, rating, according to 538, has ranked number one overall. And in terms of real defensive plus minus by ESPN, I think he was ranked fourth overall among power forwards. But again, a guy who doesn't give you much shooting. So Nathan, we're taking this offense um, that's, really engineered uh, around Alvin Gentry's up-tempo type style, you might be introducing Jeff Bezelik, and now you've got all these versatile defenders. Are the Pelicans we know and love going to be more tied to defensive acumen in 2019-20 than they are offense? My guess when you kind of look at this roster, uh, or at least what I the, the way I've kind of seen it, is that it, I just think it will be a much more balanced team. Um, I still think you have a lot of um, versatile guys on this roster that are going to play a lot of minutes that can work to find their own shot or some guys that can hit some jump shots, um, you know, whether it be off the pick and roll or catch and shoot type of situations. I don't think 
when I look at this roster up and down and kind of analyze it a little bit, I don't think they're going to be struggling for offense per se. And I just really, I really think that their defense more than anything just got a heck of a lot better. Uh, and I think you're going to see a team that doesn't feel like it has to score 115 or 120 points every night in order to get a win. I think in, I think it was uh, David Griffin and the, the press conference with the four new players earlier this week. They feel like that they have a team that in a lot of games, it might be uh, first to 95 wins. Uh, I, you know, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think they really feel like there's a, a lot of promise and a lot of potential in this defense uh, and the crew that they will be running out there. And I think uh, you've got to agree they've got guys that can cover so many different positions, guys that can switch off of um, different guys on on that side of the ball, whether you're in a fast break situation, whether you're in the half court. And I think it's a team that is really going to see a, a massive jump uh, up in their defensive ranking, maybe a year from now after next season. Yeah, this promises to be their starting lineup, but it also might be their best defensive lineup to close games. Uh, maybe Brandon Ingram could be interchangeable with a guy like Josh Hart there. But in terms of shooting, the Pelicans do have plenty of it, albeit Nathan off the bench in uh, the guise of guys like Nicola Melli, Etwan Moore, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, among others. And this is probably the most popular question on Pelicans uh, Twitter right now rotational minutes how do you divvy out minutes to all these guys obviously we want to we want to continue to grow and develop frank jackson we'll talk about our summer league stars in jackson hayes and nikhil alexander walker a little bit later but just in terms of our veterans our etuan moores our josh hearts our frank jacksons our mellies even our kenrich williams how many minutes do you anticipate these guys getting yeah i think i think that's going to be one thing that will be very interesting to see how the pelicans start off this uh, regular season, maybe the first 15 or 20 games, I think it'll be really telling to see how they divvy out some of those minutes from the, you know, the, uh, when you look at the depth chart, maybe like the ninth or 10th guy down those last, maybe like the bottom half of that, that roster there um, from eight or nine to 15, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, and I think it'll be telling of how much you know promise or, or what kind of stuff some of those guys showed during off-season workouts and what they show during preseason games or training camp, things like that. Um, but they do have such a deep roster, but it's deep of so many young guys that I think this franchise is really passionate about developing. When you look at guys like Jackson Hayes, guys, you said like Kenrich Williams, um, Frank Jackson. And I don't think, especially with the, the latter two that I mentioned there, I mean, uh, Kenrich going into his second year and, and Frank going into uh, you know his third year in the league, second year, really getting a chance to play. Um, you want to win, but you also want to develop these guys and keep them around. So when I would say for some of these guys, you know, if you can give them somewhere in that 15 minutes range or so um, to keep them active on a nightly basis, I think that's going to be the important thing. You don't want to, get into a situation kind of like Jalil Okafor was almost in last year where there were so many games in a row that he just wouldn't play almost at all. And that really hurts a guy's rhythm uh, when you're talking about trying to, uh, I guess in Okafor's sense, kind of trying to revamp someone's career or just continue a guy's progression in his professional basketball career in the second and third year. I think that's really important. So finding ways to get a lot of guys' minutes, especially early in the season and see how guys perform when they have a chance to go on the court is going to be really critical. I'm Scott Trout. 
CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Yeah, and they're going to have to experiment. And one thing they might have to experiment with fairly often, this is a question from Travis Tate and something that I brought up in the past. Uh, I'll make it a two-part question. Uh, my tweet a couple of days ago suggesting that you might want to start J.J. Reddick and have Brandon Ingram kind of pilot the second unit. Obviously, there's a big decision coming with Brandon Ingram's uh, restricted free agency last summer, not somebody that you probably want to initially bring off the bench uh, just in terms of confidence and getting him comfortable with the Pelicans organization. But you do need to kind of separate all those playmakers that you're going to have on the floor at one time with shooters. So with that being said, Nathan, uh, we need some three-guard lineups inserted at times, uh, whether it be with Drew, Lonzo Ball, and J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Etwan Moore sprinkled in there some, somewhat. How often do you think the Pelicans are going to run out these types of lineups? You know, the, the three-guard thing I think is really interesting, and that's certainly the spot where I think they can feel like they are um, the deepest at right now. I mean, when you mentioned Lonzo, you mentioned Drew. Um, I think Frank Jackson is someone that they feel like they have a lot of promise in. You can't forget about um, each one more, as you said. And and certainly we learned even more so if it wasn't already clear from the press conference on Tuesday. Uh, the David Griffin certainly sees a guy like Josh Hart as an integral part of, of this franchise. You know, he mentioned how he got several, several offers for him um, heading into free agency or even around the draft. Um, and declined those in order to keep them on the roster. Um, so I think you, I, I mean, I think you have to anticipate that they'll run out a lot of three guard lineups at times only because they are so deep there and because they're going to want to get some of those guys. Uh, like I'd mentioned earlier, those you know, 10, 15, 16, 17 minutes a night to just kind of keep them active and keep them progressing. Um, but I think what you mentioned at a, between J.J. Redick and, and Brandon Ingram will be very interesting and very telling who they have um, starting maybe at that three spot to start, uh, you know, to start the year, who they start versus who they end games with. Um, I think you could see a couple, keep, see them go a couple different ways. So it will be interesting to see um, how they navigate some of those late game situations uh, with those two guys. Yeah, you definitely want to keep these guys comfortable and keep them happy. But you also, like you said, want to keep the five-man uh, lineup balanced out there. Uh, and that's going to be difficult to do. And that's something that they're going to have to navigate. We're going to have one more question on rotational minutes, and then we're going to go ahead and move on. And it has to do with our summer league standouts, Nikhail Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes. Uh, like you said, the guard position is the deepest on the Pelicans roster. It's going to be really hard to justify giving Alexander-Walker those minutes right now when you've got decisions that you need to make uh, um, on guys like Josh Hart going forward. Obviously, uh, the popular consensus is that Etwan Moore and I think his 8.9 million salary is probably going to be trade bait at this point in time. Although we did hear David Griffin mention uh, just how valuable he is as a leader and a veteran in the locker room. And obviously, he was one of the best shooters in the NBA last season. That's another guy that Nikhil Alexander Walker is going to have to battle for minutes. And then we've got Jackson Hayes, a guy who needs to learn to defend without fouling, obviously needs a bit more physicality, a bit more body on. On him to push guys like Jaleel Okafor and Derek Favors. How many minutes do you think these guys get, uh, Nikhil and Jackson Hayes, and let's say the first three months of the season? Um, I would say 
I mean, it's kind of, I guess, a, an interesting thing because I think um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker might be a little bit more and certainly more NBA ready when you look at a guy like Jackson Hayes, who I think really needs to, um, and it's no secret, work on you know his strength, his core strength, put on some more weight so that he can not just be a guy that can fly down the court, but a guy that can really truly battle in the paint and use his length and his height to his advantage um i think he's a guy that will probably be brought along very slowly especially when you know that you have both Derek favors uh and jaleel okafor that can play that five spot um certainly zion can slide in there a little bit uh, and play some small little five if needed um but i would think you know maybe they try to get alexander walker some and maybe like it's 10 minutes a night and just kind of see how he functions when given an opportunity. Um, I think maybe you look at a guy like, uh, you know, a guy like Frank Jackson last year, who was kind of brought along fairly slowly in his first real uh, NBA minutes and just kind of allowed to slowly develop a guy to, you know, give an opportunity to here and there when you find yourself in the right game situation. Um, but Hayes, I would think is, is going to, you know, probably not see a whole lot. They're probably not going to put him in back in there until they really feel like he's proven time and time again in practice uh, that he can handle uh, an NBA big because I don't think you want to throw a guy out there just to the wolves and let him struggle a little bit, especially when you have uh, a decent amount of, of veteran depth there at that spot. But it'll be interesting to see when uh, Alexander Walker gets a chance to go against some NBA level guards, not that um, there was anything against the, the competition he played against in summer league, but it'll be, will be interesting to see how they challenge and how they used him through these first uh, couple months of the season here. Now you guys remember you can follow Nathan Brown at N Brown advocate on Twitter. Uh, make sure that you guys do. All right. We've covered just about everything in terms of finding our rotation minutes. Now I want to go over to a comment that David Griffin made uh, just about giving Drew holiday permission to dominate. And obviously he's a player capable of doing that on both sides of the ball. However, here's my cautionary tale to you, Nathan. Uh, it's, it's just a situation where there are so many players who need the ball in their hands. So many players who need to get up shots. We're probably anticipating, you know, 10 or more shots for Brandon Ingram, 10 or more shots from Zion Williamson. Uh, Derek Favors is going to be cleaning up. You're going to anticipate he's going to get five to eight shots. Josh Hart, Etwan Moore, JJ Redick. All these guys need shots to be effective. But if Drew Holiday is to actually make a push for the MVP uh, race, he's going to need to get those numbers. He's going to need to get those shots. He's going to need to get those assist totals. Do you see that as something that's even possible when you've got all these other guys around him who are most effective when they've got the ball in their own hands? You know, I would say it was interesting to hear those comments, first off, from uh, from David Griffin, whatever it was, about a week or more ago uh, when he was on the radio. But um, I, I mean, just in a, in a vacuum, I guess you could say, Drew Holiday, I think, has what it takes to be some sort of a dark horse MVP candidate. But I... I will say at the same time that I don't know that if he's putting up those types of numbers that this team is functioning maybe like you would expect it to or maybe even want it to from a, a developmental perspective. Um, because if he's putting – I mean, he's going to have to jump up to the, you know, 25, 26 points a game territory. He's probably going to have to be close to 
you know, eight, nine, 10 assists. This team is also going to have to be winning uh, in order for him to be in that conversation. And I just think with what you mentioned, he's a guy that can affect the game so well when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And I think they have so many guys that do need that. And certainly Drew's going to get his shots, but I think, um, I really think his, his ceiling as a really, truly effective guy on both sides of the ball, um, a guy who can both facilitate and shoot. Um, I think his ceiling really, truly is being another uh, very potent threat that can score kind of like he did last season. Uh, you know, I think it was around 21 points a game. Um, you know, be a threat to rebound, to push the ball, to to uh, give out assists, to really pressure you on defense and take on the team's, the opponent's best player. But I just don't think this team, I mean, I, I think if he's putting up those types of numbers, the thing that comes to mind for me is that there's been an injury or two on this roster in those top seven or eight guys, and he's really having to put this team on his shoulders. But I think this team is deep enough and young enough and in desire of seeking development that I don't know that you necessarily need or maybe even want uh, Drew to just put this team on his back because I don't think you're going to get that type of development out of your rookie or first first or second year guys or your guys like Brandon Ingram and, and Lonzo Ball that are entering their third or fourth years in the NBA and need to be able to allow be allowed to do enough to to be effective like I think they can be. All right, Nathan, so much. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We're going to get you out on this. I want to briefly touch upon general manager Trajan Langdon. Obviously, all the accolades this summer have gone to David Griffin, and uh, rightfully so. He's done a tremendous job, uh, both in front of and behind the camera, uh, acquiring all these picks in this deal with Anthony Davis. Uh, these draft day selections have, have worked out uh, far beyond our own expectations, and he generally just has the organization in the – in a better position than we possibly could have imagined just three months ago. But talking about Trajan Langdon and his effect thus far, JJ Reddick mentioned on his podcast that most of what brought him to New Orleans was his 17-year relationship with Langdon. Of course, we've already attributed uh, D.D. Silva to Langdon's international scouting. Obviously, he had a lot of help in that regard. Nicola Melli was mentioned as somebody that was a Langdon target long-term. He's making a lot of big moves behind the scenes, and obviously that comes with his position of general manager. But just break down how effective Trajan Langdon has been thus far in his time with the Pelicans. I think part of the reason that we haven't maybe talked quite as much about Trajan Langdon um, in a way is because, well, first off, the Pelicans have someone in their front office now who is solely – focused on the entire basketball or the entire operations of just this franchise. When you, when they added essentially um, David Griffin's position and took that away from uh, Mickey Loomis, who was doing both things with the the Saints and the Pelicans. Um, but I think part of the reason that maybe we haven't talked about Trajan and quite as much is because there's been such a stark difference between um, how present and how available uh, and how public, David Griffin has been when you compare him to Dell Denson, his tenure with the with the franchise, um, where he was. Uh, I was not here for much of that covering the team, but I know from talking to so many people that he just didn't have that same public pres- presence that David Griffin has. And I think that's really what you need out of that person, his position. He's when you look at the franchise as a whole, he is the face, he is the voice, um, and I think that allows 
um, everyone behind him, whether it be Twin Cash or Trajan Langdon or even Alvin Gentry to extent to really just be able to focus on what their responsibilities are with Trajan being going out and finding those diamonds in a rough uh, in the, the international basketball scene, as we've seen he's done so far. Um, and I think that probably takes some pressure off of these guys to feel like they have to either be, uh, you know, have more of a, a public persona, which maybe they, you know, isn't necessarily their job. And I, and I think that Griffin has obviously shown that he's got a lot of strength in that. Um, but I think when you look at Trajan, um, I think he's already proven. I mean, we'll be able to see a lot more once the season starts and get a chance to see how Didi um, continues to improve in the, the Australia, Australian league, how um, Melly does, and, and obviously how, how JJ turns out. But I think he will certainly be a, a guy that we talk about a heck of a lot more once the season gets underway and we really see how some of these draft picks and um and guys that they brought in from the free agency turnout i think he'll be a, a guy that's maybe not talked about quite as much right now but he'll get uh get his due later all right great stuff remember you guys can follow nathan at n brown advocate you can find all of his work there as well nathan what have you worked on previously or have upcoming that you hope our listeners will check out um so right now you know i hope to you know as i mentioned kind of take a step back and you know maybe before this uh, season gets underway. I would love to kind of take a deep dive. I mean, we've touched on a lot of, you know, the surface level stuff with some of these um, free agents, these guys that came or the guys that came from the Anthony Davis trade or guys like JJ Reddick uh, and Derek Favors. But I really feel like there's so much to really dive into uh, on why they were brought in, you know, got stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. So I hope to uh, you know, maybe have some sort of features coming in the you know, either the short term or the long term to kind of just give Pelicans fans an idea of exactly who these people are, both on and off the court, and and why exactly David Griffin felt like these pieces in particular would be uh, you know instrumental guys to help bring this franchise along into its uh, its next phase and next life uh, in the post Anthony Davis there. Great stuff. We look forward to reading it. You guys remember, uh, you're listening to the Bird Calls podcast. Yesterday, we had on Bleacher Report's lead scout, Jonathan Wasserman. Be sure to check that out. On Saturday, we're having Alex Kennedy of Hoops Hype. On Tuesday, we're having Angie Thomas. And remember, you guys, if you aren't already, follow David Grubb's new handle, Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. I think he starts August 3rd. I could be off on that date, but his new radio show on 1280 AM is upcoming. So make sure you are ready for his first inaugural episode. Uh, And of course rate subscribe and share our podcast we appreciate you guys so much we've had a really successful couple of months and it's all due to you so thank you so much there are some big changes coming with this podcast i'll announce that shortly uh it shouldn't take any effect until august 1st so until that time you guys don't have to change anything just make sure you're subscribed and you'll get all this great content for now i'm preston ellis let's go pals Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
say Metro by T-Mobile, got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80, and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.